1: Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 136. When given an opportunity, deliver excellence and never quit. Robert Rodriguez.
0: Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome,
1: my Indie Film Hustlers, to a special Sundance edition of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am... Your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Distribber. If you guys are trying to get your movies or feature films or even shorts onto Netflix, Hulu, Google Play, iTunes, Fandango, or any of the major streaming services, Distribber finally lets you in without having to go through a traditional distributor. And you keep 100% of all the revenues and your rights So if you want more information, head over to indiefilmhustle.com forward slash sell my film. That's indiefilmhustle.com forward slash sell my film. The show is also sponsored by Hollywood Camera Work. If you guys are interested in learning how to direct actors and become an actors director, Hollywood Camera Work has developed an amazing master course called Directing Actors. And it is almost 30 hours. And I've taken this course, and it is by far the most comprehensive directing actors course I have ever seen so if you want to get access to this course head over to hollywoodcamerawork.com and use the coupon code hustle to get 30% off that's hollywoodcamerawork.com and use the coupon code hustle so guys today we're getting towards the end of this special series this is our second to last episode uh and we have a great guest a returning guest our returning champion (laughs) R.B. Botto from Stage 32. R.B. and I have become good friends over the over the year that since our last uh, conversation, which was an epic one, which was episode 29. I'll put it in the show notes, uh, which was a blueprint on how to make it to the film business. And uh, and R.B. delivered again, man. We sat down with Sebastian Tordaz and uh, we, we, we just had a ball and had a lot of information, a lot of knowledge bombs, a lot of stories, uh, our sundance experience as well as a lot of great knowledge bombs for you guys. so and I also wanted to talk about uh, stage 32's first annual online film finance and producing conference and I think it's a genius idea because a lot of times we go to these conferences we buy the badges, uh, we get a hotel, we gotta fly the plane, get a, you know get some new wardrobe food drinks, conference fees, all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know you get all these no- all this knowledge that costs you thousands of dollars. Uh, when these guys uh, what what stage thirty two is doing, what RB is doing, is they're creating an online film finance and producing conference. Uh, this is going to be a two days and sixteen hours of very up to date and actionable information designed to help you navigate the ever changing landscape of film financing producing, and raising money for your projects. And if you guys want to get 50 bucks off the conference, just use the promo code HUSTLE, all caps, H-U-S-T-L-E, HUSTLE. And for more information about the conference, just head over to indiefilmhustle.com forward slash stage 32 conference. That's stage 32, C-O-N-F-E-R-E-N-C-E. So without any further ado, Enjoy our conversation with R.B. Bato from Stage 32.
2: Hey, I'm Sebastian Tordaz.
1: I'm Alex Ferrari, and we're here with the legendary R.B. Bato. Uh, or Richard Bottlebow,
3: friends call him RB from stage32.com. How you doing, brother? Some enemies call me RB, too. (laughs) Usually usually (laughs) with like another adjective or something ahead of it. But yeah, I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, man. How you enjoying the the fest, man? It's been unbelievable outside of the freaking snow never ending. It's been like 24-7 I've been telling people it's like The Shining, isn't it? It is like The Shining. (laughs) It is actually like The Shining. Yeah. I'm expecting to find somebody like Frozen. By the side of the road,
1: right? Or an, an axe, an axe being wielded somehow. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt.
3: No, it's been the snow, This has been the snowiest Sundance I've ever experienced. And yes. you've been coming here longer than I care to admit. <laughs> longer than I care to admit. I've seen a lot.
1: So uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about Stage Thirty Two.
3: Sure. yeah, Stage Thirty Two was launched in two thousand and eleven. Uh, the best way we've been described, which is in a Forbes article, they called us LinkedIn meets Linda. Linda, of course. I'm assuming everybody knows what LinkedIn is. Uh, Linda is sort of the biggest education site on the web um, LinkedIn ended up buying Linda for 1.5 billion so we were very excited when that comparison <laughs> that's, that's a very good comparison uh, that's a very good comparison we were very excited and, and they actually made that comparison before they made that purchase so even
1: 10-15% nice. of that you'd
3: be happy <laughs> you know what 1% <laughs> 1%, you're gonna, 1% 1% and I'm moving over here I'm going to hang out in the high west saloon every night yeah. no so you know we started this with 100 of my industry friends I started as an actor uh, I'm a producer and a screenwriter so I'm in the industry industry um felt that there was a need or or a lack of a social network that um, spoke to just filmmakers and film creatives and uh, you know i was on facebook wasn't getting anything out of that i was on linkedin i was getting hit up by limo drivers and bankers that really wasn't helping me in any way then bank wrong type of bankers and um so i just started it in 2011 with 100 of my industry friends and like out of your house right yeah and you know built it and, uh, you know, basically went to the 100 friends and said, if you like it, invite five fellow creatives. And now today, five years later, we're a half million strong. we what? Nice. Why, yeah. why do you call it stage 32? Great question. So stage 32, I'm a big Orson Welles fan. And Orson Welles is kind of, oh, history has not been kind to him, you know, no, from the not, standpoint that, yeah, like he was more of a dictator on set. And, he, you know, everything was his vision and he wasn't a collaborator. If you read a lot of books, there's one called Against the System, mm-hmm. for example, um, you see that that really wasn't true. He was sort of a collaborator, especially on a movie like Kane, um, where he really worked with everybody and and even all his actors because they were all of course the actors that came with him from radio and they you know they really collaborated on the thing. So uh, the old RKO 17, where they shot Citizen Kane, is now Paramount Stage 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you go to Paramount Stage 32, you'll see a plaque out front. And you'll see that they shot Citizen Kane there. So that's where Stage 32 came from.
2: Yeah, because Paramount bought RKO Studios. Right. Right. They, they, they were actually, what is now considered Paramount Studios was actually, two-thirds of it was Paramount, and the western third of it was actually RKO.
3: There you go. And, you know, one of the other cool uh, movies that were, was filmed on stage 32 was Chinatown. Yeah. So, a little history.
2: It's never China. Great. To- yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, that's
1: where
3: it came from. Great,
1: great, man. So, and you're also a, a screenwriter. I am. You write, you, you occasionally write in the middle of all the partying and, and yeah. world travel and Sometimes promotions.
3: right in the middle of the parties. I'm right in the middle you writing. just stop
1: while you hold on, drop the Manhattan. Yeah, and yeah you just, just
3: start. doing some dialogue.
1: So, um, what's uh, tell us a little bit about your screenwriting and, and what's going on in your screenwriting career because I know there's a couple fun
2: stuff.
3: Yeah, it's been an interesting ride. I mean, I, like I said, I started as an actor in New York in theater and then kind of got sidetracked by it because I started this magazine for a while. And then when I came back into Well, what's it, this magazine? Well, I started a magazine called Razor. It was a men's lifestyle magazine. It was national. It competed against um, uh, titles like GQ, Esquire, Maxim. At our peak, we had a readership of about 1.5 million. Um, it was a fun experience, but it was very tough for a single title publisher, especially in that environment. So when I got done with that and I wanted to get back into the business, and by virtue of having that business, I met so many people in the industry, mm-hmm. um, I really want—I love the business side of it. So I kind of went back into more into producing than acting and started writing a little bit as well. And I was involved in a movie um, that came here in 2011 called Another Happy Day, which was uh, written and directed by Sam Levinson, Barry Levinson's uh, son, and it was his first film and it did very well here. It had uh, Ellen Barkin, Thomas Hayden Church, Demi Moore, it had a really nice cast. Um that got me a little, that's actually one of the one of the experiences that really pushed me to start stage 32 because a lot of the people that were working on that film were in Michigan, where all the tax incentives were. And when the tax incentives dried up, they called me looking for jobs in L.A. And I'm like, you know, I could help as much as I can, but it is a relationship business. You need to network. And they were like, well, how the hell do we network with people in L.A. from here? And that's what kind of pushed that along. The writing came right about that time. Um, I've written a bunch of scripts, a few of them, like most screenwriters had there. Fly close to the sun and then burn. crash and burn. Sure. But the one well, you got
2: representation too, right? Yeah. How did you
3: get? Well, because how did you get representation? I'm proud to say that my representation and everything that I'm going to talk about about the screenplay really did come through stage 32. What ended up happening was I entered a screenwriting contest uh, called the Creative World Awards, and I only entered. Con- I always tell people, just in case you're a screenwriter and you're hearing this, don't enter contests that that. Uh, that if It has to provide access for you if you do well. Don't worry about $2,000 and your 15th version of Final Draft. You know, enter things that give you access if you're going to spend your money and invest in yourself. And that's what I did. I entered contests that if, you know, you were a finalist, that you got exposure. And Creative World gave me exposure to a couple of agents who eventually connected me with people on Stage 32, a producer, a director... One of these directors uh, was really interested in making the film. He brought me to his manager, and his manager was David Greenblatt. He's sort of famous because he was one of the original founders of Endeavor. Endeavor. Yeah, David Greenblatt, Ari Emanuel, they're the guys that kind of, you know, the, the legendary pimp move are going into Tom their, Strickler and Rick Rosen. Yeah, and stealing the files, well, stealing the files, but taking the files in the middle of the night. I was literally there. When it happened so this you can is, tell a story it's great this is silly but uh, I used to be an
2: assistant at ICM and I worked you, you work really hard there and I was just out of film school at USC and I would just do anything for anybody I, I did literally do the 12-14 hour days so I was often the last person there but I was also extraordinarily naive and I still am naive in many ways but uh, mm-hmm. I was really naive back then uh, and and um, uh, you know, I was used to taking a box <laughs> home with me at night or whatever. You know, and I was, I was walking out, and uh, there was one other guy there, which was odd because I'm like, you know, there aren't many people who stay this late, and it was late. I don't remember exactly how late, but like yeah. the building was down. They were like cleaning, and the light, a lot of the lights were out. And we happened to walk into the elevator at the same time, and I'm having a box, and he's carrying a box, and I'm like, oh, hey, how are you doing? He seemed very nervous, and I don't want to say who it was. It wasn't one of the partners. It was one of their assistants. Uh, He seemed very nervous, and then we we got out at the same – it was like a two-, three-story parking structure underground. got out at the same place, and uh, our cars were, like, really close to each other. And he's like, oh, I was like, oh, well, let me me help you. Like, oh. You know, I'll help you. Whatever. And he's like, "Oh no, no, no! I don't need help. <laughs> so I, I, let me know. I insist that you know you've got actually more and heavier box. I, I, I insist. I'll do it." And he's like, "No, no, no." And I, I just kept pushing. And <laughs> finally, he opened his trunk, and then there was lots of boxes in the trunk. And literally, this was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know." Oh, wonderful! And anyway, I, I drive in the next morning. There's security everywhere. They're checking everybody. And it was the night that they took all the files. But there was a buildup to that too, because the other thing that was happening was that there were stacks and stacks of scripts back then you photocopied scripts Mm -hmm. and i used to send out a lot like the agent i worked for uh, his name was nick reed actually he became eventually head of motion picture lit and he won an academy award for a short film the lady in number 12 or something it was it was a it's an interesting short film anyway um and i sent out more stuff than anybody else and what happened was um, I noticed that he actually, his assistant, was sending out more than me. But I was like, but usually wasn't there as late as me, like rarely, except for the night that obviously they took the stuff. I was like, how is he sending all this stuff if he's not here? So what they were doing, they weren't actually putting letters or anything mm-hmm. with the stuff because that takes time and you have to be there late to get all that out. They were just photocopying everything in the library. Wow. And you just realize it all in hindsight. Anyways, it was really cool because it was the, the beginning of Endeavor.
3: Wow. Yeah, it was, I mean, sort of that pimp history, you know, story that people love to tell. And then they sold it to William Morris, of course. Well, now it's William Morris Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, it was the reverse. Oh. And right. yeah, yeah, took sorry, over sorry, William Morris. Right, <laughs> right, right. yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, it's been five days. Be I know, six okay. days. Yeah. I'm I mean, that but you're keep hearing like like David yeah. I have the two active brain cells working right now. <laughs> no, you're doing high. great. <laughs> um, no, but it's, so David and I uh, met, and um, he uh, wanted to take me on. And uh, we bought the script to Covert Media. Paul Hansen runs Covert. Paul used to run uh, Annapurna for a while and QED. And Paul loved the script and uh, gave me a really nice um, option on it and we've been piecing it together ever since. We have another, the director that was originally on board, we had to drop, unfortunately, not to any problem of his own or any any cause of his own. It was that he was a Canadian director and, and we really couldn't, I'm an American writer, so there's all these different things with putting together Canadian production. So that was a little bit of a problem, but we attached another director, and now we're going through like sort of the machinations of, of, uh, machinations of, of putting together the cast and who wants to work with who and who doesn't. It's, it's a slog. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, really is. People think that just, you, you know, because they're, they're financing yeah. the film, so it's not like it's a money thing. It's more that you're still piecing this thing together. The one thing about this independent movement that's really interesting is that um, the competition is going up. For the same group of actors, so where you thought in the or in the past where you could make sort of a nice little offer and you know s- secure somebody for twenty days, thirty days, it's sort of like well now you got competition against ten. It's and it's not always the studios that you're in you're in competition. You're in, with other any films and, and other any films, and sometimes even you know now it's television too. Right, television yeah. and Netflix shows and it's all that crazy. Kind of stuff is is taking up because there's only a limited amount of talent. Outlet. And that's it. And we've had actors that have been like, "We absolutely love this script. We want to sign on. Can you do it in 2019?" And we're well, like, <laughs> "No, yeah. I got to do it in 2019." But that's what they're tied up, you know, until or mm-hmm. you know, and they have all these other offers on the table. So it's it's been a very interesting experience. It's moving. It's you know, it's, it's the pushing of the rock, proverbial pushing of the rock up the hill, and uh, but it's getting there.
2: Well, it's interesting to me that you didn't give up. That you 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 started as an actor. You you did become an entrepreneur to do the magazine, and then an entrepreneur again with this, and then you're still writing. I mean, so you're still, you've got the bug. I mean, you're you're doing it.
3: And you're not acting I, anymore, are you? I mean, you know, I actually just got offered something, but it is one of these things where the money would have to come in. Um, but they, you know, it's yours if you want it. And it'd be, the, it'd be the type of thing that I would do because it's somebody I know. Okay. And it's not a, you know, it's like four or five scenes that it wouldn't be too yeah. demanding. Um, that's the type of thing that I would do it. But most of it has been on the business and, and the writing side. And, I, and to answer your question, the bug is, I enjoy piecing things together. I enjoy that collaborative uh, experience of putting a film together, uh, getting all the people together. The writing experience, it's interesting on, on this particular film I'm talking about with Covert, I'm just the writer, I'm not producing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, I'm being kind of treated like a producer because I know all the people that are involved. Right. And they're, You're an
1: overqualified screenwriter. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> and, and
3: it, it's nice to at least have your opinions heard sure, you know, sure, when sure. you're just quote unquote the writer. You right. Know what I mean? So it's, it's well. Been
1: writers have been historically well treated in Hollywood. Oh yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, I mean, I, mean <laughs> I mean,
3: let me just you know. <laughs> I, think I, mean, I think there's actually one of them on the Walk of Fame. I
1: think one I, I think, think there's one. one. If if anyone out there, I'm being sarcastic. If you don't understand, I'm being very
2: sarcastic. I think there's one. So, so there, are, there are some, but you there have to are yes, the yes, top, of course, top elite, which yes, is like ten writers in all business. Of course, oh, it's crazy.
1: So uh, you and I both have very unique perspectives because we work with independent filmmakers and people trying to break into the industry all the time. And they contact us and all that kind of stuff. What can you What can you say about the wrong way to try to connect or make a relationship with someone in the business that might be able to help you, might be able to give you some information, might be able to open a door? What's the right way and what's the wrong way? That's a because great question. It, by the way. It, because. <laughs> I know most of the people listening to this don't understand the right way because I get abused on a daily basis. I'm sure you do. My God, you have a whole social network. Yeah. That you, I'm sure you're getting hit up all the time. So what's the right way and what's the wrong way?
3: Well, I mean, 90% of the people come in from a me perspective, right? Mm-hmm. It's about me. I have this great script. I have this great idea. I'm a great actor. You and everybody else, okay? <laughs> right. You and everybody else. The question becomes, how do you differentiate How do you stand out amongst the pack? And it's not the work at first, because you gotta get people to actually read the work or see the work. How do you get them to wanna do that? And the way that you do that, of course, is by being selfless. You need to be out there making it about the other person and not about you. So social media, for example, this is the mistake people make all the time. Like, you know, people will hop on Twitter and every post is me, me, me. People come into stage 32 and, you know, you get my welcome message and they'll say, I have a screenplay, I have a this. And I'm like, I don't know you. What can you do for me? You should read this. It's great. No, I shouldn't. Okay. Or I love this. Is my favorite that I get every once in a while <laughs> is, you know, people respond to the welcome message and they'll say, I can't, you know. I'm interested to see what this, what, what this can do for me in my career, and I'm like, wow, and I'm like, it's not gonna do anything with for you in your career, if you think like that. It's you get out. Look, this is the easiest way to put it. You get out what you put in with everything, and in life, and in, in this business especially, this is a relationship business. Everything stems from relationships. Mm -hmm. The way that you create relationships is by being selfless and asking people questions about them. Like I always say, here's three entryways into social media, for example. right? People are always like, well, if I'm new to the business, why do people want to listen to me? And I said, okay, well, the first thing you can do is, if you really want to approach somebody, which you can on social media, and you can at events like this, by the way, Mm -hmm. is ask questions about them without being creepy. Ask questions, you know, (laughs) like, you know, about... (laughs) <laughs> you know, no, I, I get you the know creepy what I'm part saying. we all do about <laughs> yeah, the creepy part. Don't yeah. be creepy, you know, come in with something of value and something that makes them go, Oh, wow, like you actually took the time to do some research, or that's a really kind of uh, off the beaten path kind of question that I'd be happy to answer. Maybe it's about their creative process. Why'd you do this? Why'd you pick that? I'll actually tell a quick story if you don't mind in a minute, sure. but, but that's the first way, is the question, right? The second way is sharing content. Show people what you're interested in. If you know, you first of all, you should be reading the trades every day if you want to be in this business. You have to know what's going on in the industry. It's your job, it's also your job to network, by the way, every day. Um,
2: I don't like that word,
3: by the way. What's up? Network. network. You don't like network?
2: Um, you know, I don't like catchy words like that. I mean, I, I yeah, do, but I, it, because, because it makes it sound like it, it's a job to network, it's more about, um, being uh, cordial, social, just building relationships. or fr- okay. I don't even like the word relationship, building friendships with people, but authentic friendships. Totally agree.
3: I use networking, obviously, because it's a networking site we call it networking. But what I, what I mean by that is that you have to be able to organically get people to want to be in your life. Yes. And, and it, when I say treat it like a job, the reason I say treat it like a job, because it's no different to me than the craft. The second that you say to yourself, I want to become a writer and you're really serious about it, or I want to become a filmmaker, you're working on it every day. You have to put yourself out there is what you're saying. And, and same thing with networking. The second that you sit there and you say, it is my job to build these relations or friendships or whatever it is, then I'm going to go do it. I'm going to dedicate the time. I mean, as busy as I am, I spend at least a half hour every day working the site, working Twitter, working everything because it matters, you know, and and a lot of my great relationships have come from that. Mm -hmm. So I was saying the second thing is sharing content because it shows people a little bit, it gives people a little bit of an insight about you. Mm -hmm. What do you like? What are you reading? What's important to you? What did you find interesting? And, And the third thing is just compliment people. Say if people are like posting great content that you've had an interest in, don't just sit there and read it and say, wow, that was great. Let them know that you, appreciate it, that you appreciate that they shared it, that they, you appreciate that they took the time. Those are three very, very simple entry points to any conversation, any social media strategy, anything.
2: Well, you think about it like a friendship. Because it's a friendship. It, you're trying to have a friendship.
1: Well, I mean, well, the way we met. Absolutely. The I mean, way, it's 100%. The way we met was um, I had heard about stage 32, I had a podcast, and I tweeted you. That's right. I tweeted you. I'm like, hey, man, love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Loved, would, you, would you like to come on the show? Yeah. So what did that say? The first entry point, I complimented what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was authentic. Yeah. wasn't BS. I, I compliment what you're doing. I know you've done podcasts before because I've done research. So I know yeah. this is not a, a unique situation. I'm like, hey, look, this is my podcast. Here, what I'm offering you my audience i'm mm-hmm. offering you something so i'm offering some value to mm-hmm. and you went and i'm sure when you looked you looked up and you're like oh sure let's do it and you probably listened to a podcast or two
2: of mine absolutely i did and man.
1: then you're like okay cool and then that's how this re- and that was what a year
3: ago now? maybe even a little yeah maybe not it was my early podcasts. yeah that's
2: how you and i met too and that's how,
3: <laughs> well no
1: we
2: met We met the other well, it's way the same thing but what? i reached out to you
1: yeah you reached out to me exactly so but that's the that's the way and I always, I always go into it with value. Yeah, you have to provide value to whoever you're going to. So, mm-hmm. if like, because I was the other guy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you ever were that other guy, but yeah. I was that desperate. Mm-hmm. Like, I, what can you do for me? What can you do for me when I was younger? Because that was all, you know, you know. and you could smell that.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's it. I mean, you can
1: smell the desperate energy when you like when you when you, like. I mean, I remember I was here ten years ago and I, I snuck into a party. I had Harvey in front of me. Harvey Weinstein, and you run up to Harvey. Hi, Harvey. How you doing? And
3: like Harvey was like, Jesus Christ. Kid. Yeah, you and everybody else. Everything, exactly. You're the fiftieth person doing it to me today. That, if not in the last five minutes.
1: Exactly. So, and it, it doesn't get you anywhere, as opposed to trying to provide a value, whatever that value might be, and mm-hmm. it's something as simple as um, if you're creating a social, like your Twitter account,
3: yeah,
1: um, posting things that are entertaining, educational. Uh, things about you that are entertaining educational, and what you're into. Mm-hmm. And that's how you start building up that
3: brand. Well, and you build, you build up your social currency, you build up all of it. And, you know, the look at me approach never works. I've never seen it work. You know, it's, it's the same thing with crowdfunding. You know, the, the, Oh, you, the begging. Well, if, it, just even the if you build it, they will come mentality. No, I don't care how great your film is. Maybe you've written the next great American film, but nobody is going to care if they don't know you. Nobody's going to know that because they're not going to you know get there. I mean a perfect example, you said how we met and everything mm-hmm. like that. now this relationship over the last year mm-hmm. has grown and grown. We did an Oscar thing together, you know we helped each other out are we, we going to do another one? Though? Of course we are yeah. and uh, <laughs> I'm actually thrilled about the nice I' going tell you about the nominations because last yeah, stage they just stage, came like, out today That's last great. stage thirty two is involved, which is really cool okay I'm learning more by the minute but um uh, you know, and then we did panels together like, and, and then we look out for each other it's like hey there's a panel coming up do you want to be on that hey would you be interested in doing this and then it led to and here's, here's the kicker because this is what we're talking about like ultimately at the end of the day right? you're getting people to be champions of you and your work and people that are going to give you honest feedback and people mm-hmm. are going to be there for you a couple of weeks ago, Alex sets me up. He's got his new film that he, he did. And he said, hey, would you watch this? And of course I'm going to watch it because mm-hmm. we built up that relationship. Right. And of course I'm going to help in any way I can. Mm-hmm. But see how that happened over a year?
1: But that's the thing. And, yeah. and, and it took time. This is a mm-hmm. long – relationships aren't built in a month. Yeah. It takes time and it takes work. And, and it's, it, but it takes time. And, and, and that's the one thing that I want everyone listening. It's, it's a long play.
3: It is a long play. It's a
1: long play with all relationships. I mean, when we started...
2: Yes, I
3: agree with everything you guys are saying, but I would just say... Think of it in an authentic way. No, no, absolutely. Well, can I, can I tell my story? Go ahead. Because, But now I'm, I'm going to put a little caveat or a little, you know, this story is actually in my film crowdsourcing book that's coming out later this year. So just because I'm You've telling it. it. What's the You've book been talking about this book. No, 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 it's done. You. Is it's it fine, done? Sorry. No, it's there. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Is it okay. real? It's, it's finished. Okay, fine. Well, yeah. good. <laughs> so I got, yeah, Vocal <laughs> Press asked me to write a book on film crowdsourcing, I think, in 2014. It's finally yes. in.
1: He started with MySpace, so I had to yeah. update. he had to update <laughs> that chapter.
3: That's uh, true. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, this in 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 the book there is this because there's a lot about networking because okay. the whole book is on crowdsourcing, which you know has an element, of course, of marketing and networking. Mm-hmm. But I tell this story, and I'll tell it quick. But it you know the Austin Film Festival mm-hmm. is a screenwriter centric festival. It's the only real film festival that is uh, where the conference is specifically for screenwriters. Matt so Dye, I down, Matt Dye runs it. Matt Die. Is this yeah, the it's great, story? Yes. Yes, so I was great cool? story. Great story great, yeah. story. great story. Great Because, because this will speak to it. You know, speaks, it's an you know, excellent you know, story. Um, So anyway, I've been down there as a writer, and I've been mostly down there over the last few years as a speaker. And the cool thing about the Austin Film Festival is that the screenwriters that they bring in, I mean, they bring in some great people. Mm. They hang around. I'm talking about, like, you know, the Shane Blacks and the Lawrence Kasdans. I mean, like, these people hang around at the Driscoll Bar every night, and they're approachable, okay? Approachable. Now it's all about approach, right? So one night, I'm not going to name who the the director was, but he's won a bunch of Academy Awards. He's written some of the top-grossing films of all time. He's also written some very small indies that did okay. Him and I had kind of forged a little bit of relationship over the course of a couple of years, and we were both sitting on a couch and uh, having a drink, and all of a sudden, like, one of the conferences, one of the uh, panels let out, and now here comes all the writers into the bar. Mm -hmm. And he looks up, and he goes, oh, here we go. And he goes, (laughs) and, you know, this is a... Kind of caustic, you know. He's been around the business forever, yeah. it. that. he knows certain, exactly what's going to happen. And he's got that certain level of cynicism that only comes from having so many years in the business. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like, but 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 still wants to help. Yeah. And so he he stands up and he says, "Okay, here's how we're going to do this." He said, "One at a time. The one person comes forward. The next person stands at least ten feet back because he didn't want the people in line overhearing his conversation with the first person." Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there, and the first guy walks up, and I'm not even, I mean, right out of central casting with his swagger and his crap, and his, you know, and he's, he's he got, walks, right, up right. and you could see before work comes out of his mouth that this is not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just not. <laughs> or, and, start well. <laughs> or start well. Or start well. Be well at all, sir. It's not going to be well <laughs> And the first word's out of his mouth. He goes, hey, how you doing? He goes, uh, you know, so I wrote this. He didn't even say hi. Like, he was like, you know, I said, how you doing? He goes, I wrote this script. And, 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 you, and, and now the director... I mean, it was hysterical. He starts looking around the room. He's checking out Sports Center on the TV. He's taking a sip. He says to the waitress, "He's like, you get me? while the guy's talking, okay." And the guy doesn't stop. He doesn't hesitate. Like, none of this is phasing him. It's, it's wow. freaking incredible, right? And I'm giving the very short version of this. But he, at one point, he finally says, "So, what do you think?" And the director went, "Oh, I'm sorry. Were you talking to me?" He goes, I, I wasn't sure, that whole thing. And he said, I'm, um, and he takes his hand out, he goes, "Um." and he said his first name. And he goes, you see, he goes, you asked me if I'm interested in your script. He goes, I'm not interested in your script, and I'm not interested in you. Horrible approach. Who's next? So now, this girl comes up. Now, she didn't hear any of this, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, I gave the short version, the clean version of that, because it was a little nastier. Oh, but th- th- Was there a little interaction there? Uh, no, 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 no. He was like he was stunned. Stunned. He was stunned. Like, he was stunned. Like, I mean, he was like, you know. Um, she comes up and very kindly says, nice to meet you, the whole thing. And the first thing that she asked him, she said, can I ask you a question about, and she asked him about his biggest flop. Hmm. It was an indie that crashed, I mean, really bad. And... He said, she said, there's a scene with the actor and the actress when they're having an argument in the kitchen. She goes, and something just told me that maybe that was improv or maybe you went through a couple of changes with that because it's such a pivotal scene. And he was so taken by that. He goes, first of all, he goes, that's amazing that you asked me that question. He goes, second of all, you're very astute because that was the hardest scene for us to film goes, I probably wrote it 30 times. And he said, and the actress said to me one time because it just wasn't working, said... Can I take a shot of it?" And he goes, and that's the, you know, the shot we used in the film. And he said to her, he goes, why, why that film of everything I've written? And she said to me, it was the most personal thing you've ever written. And they went into this whole conversation and he said to her, what do you do? What do you write? Tell me about you. At the end of this conversation, making this whole long story shorter, he reaches into his back pocket and he pulls out a card. And he says, and it's got all his information on it. Home phone, everything. And he says, I bring three of these to this festival every year. He goes, if I hand out one. He goes, I usually go home with all three. He goes, you send me your favorite script. You call me. He goes, and I'll do what I can to help you. He ended up helping her work on the script, brought her to his manager, his agent, got her signed. He bounces ideas off her now. That's the friendship that they've built over the last three, four years. Okay? Approach. What's the difference between guy one and guy one and girl one approach and, that's it
1: and it wasn't like and look at what she the, what when he she led with value, but it was a it was an interest in him
3: mm-hmm.
1: and that he had, she had done the research mm-hmm. and she was and, and she showed true authentic interest in what he was doing mm-hmm. in a way that's not like very Common or anything like that
2: and that was the connection well for pitch meetings i've been on the other side of that table where i'm hearing the pitches too and I, we talk about this in class but not just for pitch meetings also if you're going to interview with an agent or a manager um because they've read your script and they want to meet you um or before they've even read your script perhaps you might be able to meet them 50 50 it's chemistry uh and then what the script is chemistry mean, meaning do they oh, do they like you and do you like them um, because you're going to be spending so much time working together. Oh, yeah. And you know, they, they, want to, um, they really want to like you and they want to help you because there's even an authentic thing there. So it's really important, just that chemistry, just the, the idea that you actually like each other is a, is a huge thing. Yeah. That, that's half of it.
3: Well, I totally agree. And if they see that you're egotistical and, and protective, and they're going to know. That you're gonna be a pain in the ass. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? That you're not gonna to wanna to take notes. You're not gonna to wanna to... so it is a lot about chemistry and it's about knowing your space in the room and, and your place in the room at at certain times, you know. But again, it all comes down to approach and it all comes down to knowing who you're meeting with. Like I have had so many people that have gone on general meetings that will tell me afterward. Man, I wish I would. I didn't realize that they did that movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how the hell could you go into the meeting and not know that? That's research. It's basic, basic research. Basic research. You That's so go. much easier now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we, we started. Yeah.
0: We couldn't. It, it was easy You couldn't
1: find people. that information. Yeah. It
3: was a little harder. So but now there's no excuse, though. I
1: mean, you could literally type up, you know, minutes before
3: the thing. Yeah. Just find in out the waiting credits. room, you could do it. That's it's true. And I mean, but it's the same. I mean, look, we, we have services on the site. Um, you know, we're pitching. And it's really interesting to me sometimes when, I, when people will come and they'll sign up for like a pitch session with a producer that does like horror and they're pitching oh, a Jesus. comedy. Yeah, it's just amazing. And it's like it's, it's right there. The research is, I mean, the information is right there. There's no excuse. You have to know. You have to know. And people, because people get pissed off with that. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm giving you my time, right? Your biggest commodity, most valuable commodity time. is your time. So if I'm going to sit in front of you and you're going to come, and I'm not saying me, but you're a studio executive or a manager or whatever, and, or somebody you know, you're trying to raise money, you know, even. I've seen that where it's incredible. They don't know the people that they're asking, you know. They're asking people for money and they don't know about them. And it's just amazing. And it's, if, if you're not doing that, then, you know, you've lost the battle before it, start, before it started, you know, so. These are,
2: but these are basic things, but most
1: people don't, people don't
3: well, understand it.
2: People. Well, people are. But look, I, I, from the other side, I understand the other side. People are nervous. You know, they yeah. think you have oh, to go. blah, yeah. blah. We've and all been it. there. Yeah. And, and it's just something. You also you learn. Well, we're trying to tell you now <laughs> that you know don't make that mistake because you know it takes time. It takes but, yeah.
1: time to develop. I mean, it took it took me twenty years to finally feel comfortable in my own skin to just go. You know what? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just go on to something else. And with that energy and that kind of mentality, it's amazing the stuff that's happened to me over the last year, year and a half. Yeah. Ever since I launched the New Film Hustle. It's purely because I just like, you know what? I'm just going to do me.
3: Yeah,
1: And you're the, you're the same. You're like, I'm just going to do me. And I'm just like, fuck it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is what you see, what you get kind of thing. And it's, it's you it's know. It's authentic. It's and, authentic.
2: And that's the thing that. Well, your personality comes through on your site. Yeah, no that's doubt. It's yeah. like having a voice. Like right, They're always saying writers have to have a voice or directors have to have a vision. Mm-hmm. Your personality comes through. That's actually the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I've just gotten to know you, and I, yeah. I hope to get to know you better. But sure. it's, when you notice that personality coming through, that is the most important thing in this business. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And, you,
3: and you have that in speeds. And you see it. You even see it in your, in your film. Mm-hmm. You can see how people you know, responded to you. You could tell. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I didn't see a behind-the-scenes thing, but you could tell. Like, you know, what I mean? the way that you let the actors riff a little bit and everything like that, you, you, you could see. And then, of course, I got to speak to her um, herself. Yeah. <laughs> Jill. And um, and she said the same thing, like that freedom and that creative freedom. But, you know, that's trust. And that's all. I mean, again, it's just being you. It's being authentic. One of the reasons why when you sign up for stage 32, you get a message from me. That was a decision made before we launched. Believe me, I, it's not that I wanted the extra correspondence.
2: It's a lie. Five hundred thousand or plus now. <laughs> you know,
3: I, so please don't write me. No, I'm only kidding. Um, I'm only kidding. Uh, but you know, I, we, but the idea was I wanted people to know immediately: yeah. this is who I am. I am just like you. Okay, I'm scratching and clawing like you are. Okay, you know, and people say to me like, "Oh my God, you've had all." All these things that have must be so easy. It's never easy.
1: No, and it's never easy. Spielberg couldn't get money for Lincoln. Look at Spielberg. Scorsese couldn't get money silence. for Silence. For are you kidding me? Mm-hmm.
3: It's, it, it's always a scratching claw. But what always. I wanted to do is, I wanted to take that. You know, we're we're creative, so we're cynical by nature. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you sign up for a site like this. You know, some people are like, "Why do I need this site? I could have a Facebook." You know, it's whatever. Or is this going to do anything for me? And whatever. So I wanted there to be that message to say, "Hey." You basically, like we said earlier, you, you, I built it for you, but you got you know you got to put in the time and the effort. But here's what: if it, if you do, this is what's going to happen.
1: Do you agree with the statement that I've said this many times in the, before that filmmakers, screenwriters, creatives in in our industry mm-hmm. are easily some of the most cynical people on the planet?
3: I I think there's no question, and I think, but you know, I think it comes from look, it's a hard, it's a because very, of the beating, it's the beating, it's
1: the beating that we get. On a daily basis, year after year, like, oh, the money's going to drop for this movie. Or I'm going to get you this job. And, or people just talking crap and, and nothing ever happened. You become <laughs> cynical. Like, when, you're, when you walk in, you're just like...
2: But you have to push through. You have
1: to you create. Like, yeah. it, it, you have, you to, have create. to keep pushing. It's easy not to create. It's so much easier. Do you think I like doing all the work that I do on any Film Hustle every day? Yeah. You know, yesterday, we just put, I put out that podcast with Elijah Wood and I'm like fucking like half sleep, and I'm just trying to like, because I told my audience I was going to do it right. and I want to get it out there. I want to help them and all that stuff. It's, it's not easy. I'm sure you're the same way. I can imagine them with workload you go through with stage 32 and trying to be a screenwriter and trying to do all the stuff that you do. Yeah
3: No, it's insane. I mean, it's completely insane. It's overwhelming. And you know, it is, you know, a lot of times 18, 20 hour days and mm-hmm. you know, but there is a responsibility and a commitment that, you know, you've, Made to your audience in a lot of ways that you're going this is the quality you're going to provide this is the information you're going to provide, mm-hmm. but if you take that away, if you take the stage thirty two part of it away and we you know stick on the creative side, I think the cynicism comes from a few different things. I think that some people again with if they come in with this idea that they're fantastic and they've written a great first <laughs> script or that their filmmaking vision is unbelievable, yeah. or you know they I'm gonna
1: they, win the Oscar next year, right, the yeah. acting yeah, and yeah, you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and
3: If you come in with that kind of attitude, you're going to get shot down so quickly. The the cynicism is going to even rise higher because you know. And then, but then there's also this learning curve of being able to take criticism. Like you know, I even did this. I I mean, I had the experience of reading scripts and seeing screenwriters and and playwrights get beaten down. Mm -hmm. And I still, when I wrote my first screenplay and I got feedback, I was like, these people don't know. About, are you kidding me I'm a genius I'm like you know how did all three of these people covering this script completely miss the point these three <laughs> people are idiots I mean it took me a while to sit there and go okay I'm not a freaking genius my first script sucks okay. and I have to figure out a way to you know accept notes and you know and accept and parse and digest and, and, and that's a big thing in this business too I also think that cynicism comes from the fact that too many people that are just starting out count on their peers at the same level. So Mm. it's good to network with peers at the same level because you never know who, you know, no connection's a bad connection in my mind, okay, you never know. And and they can help you do things. You never know, and they can help you do things. But I see screenwriters all the time, for example, and I see filmmakers do this too, and I see actors do it with their reels. They'll go to, like, well, you I use screenwriting so often, I'll use acting as an example. You know, if you're just starting out and you're building up your reel and you're showing that reel to somebody else that's just starting out and they're sitting there going, oh my God, it's brilliant. You know, but meanwhile, it's like eight minutes of you doing one monologue and it, you know, we're like trees in the background or some shit. And, you know, and, and you're like, oh, it's great. I've seen you know, that one. Yes, it's good. <laughs> It's good. It good. Needs to be edited by seven and a half minutes. Yes, but but it's you know, but it they that is a problem. So like I've seen threads on stage thirty two, for example. We just had one recently on the screenwriting side, and it was this big argument about how do you invest in yourself? Because I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, I don't have money to spend on notes. I don't have money to go get headshots. I don't have money. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Think about all the stuff you spend money on. Do you buy Latties? five dollar lattes every day? Are you out with the boys or the girls, partying three times a week? Okay, buying you clothes, you're buying this, whatever. What are you doing? What are you sacrificing to get yourself in a position where you can get the proper feedback and the proper information to shorten the path and shorten the road, as opposed to going to your peers? Because you know, all these people in this thread were like, "Well, I have screenwriter friends, and you know, they they tell me, and I'm like, have they?" Has sold anything, anything sold anything have they had anything, they anything how many scripts have they written? well, they're on the first scripts too okay <laughs> well
1: it's the equivalent of asking your mom
3: it is the equivalent.
1: for hey, what do you think of my movie, mom? Hey, what do you think of my script mom it's not you and that is honestly some some great advice because when you are starting out you show i mean you show your short films to your friends. Mm-hmm. And all of them are just like, even if they're in the business or not, they're like, oh, that was really great. That was really great. Yeah. great. And then you submit to 20 festivals and all the festivals are like, yeah, not so much. Not like, so much. Why are these guys all missing the point? Yeah. Where you have a relationship, a mentor, or someone who's a bit ahead of you in in their pro, in their journey that can give you that advice. Well, this
2: cycles back to where you guys started. You have to pay
3: it forward. No doubt. Yes. Oh, my God. No doubt. Absolutely. Kevin,
1: Kevin Spacey said it the best. If, you, if you've reached the top floor, it's your job and your obligation to send the elevator back down.
2: Yeah, it's true. And it's very true. And that's what you were saying, where you have to give something. You have to want to give people something, too. So, yeah, it's important
3: for people as they're moving up to help people who are behind them. Too. Well, yeah, and it's also important, though, for people on the ground floor, because you can get back even even if you learn something. Like I said, or if yeah. you see an art. somebody yeah. posts an article that you like, go share that article. Put good out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let other people see it. And, yes. you know, there's there's a way to there's a way to be involved all the time. Mm -hmm. There's something for you to be doing all the time. Um, There's a place for you all the time. It's just that some people sometimes feel, you have two types of beginners. You have the beginners that are very, very anxious to find those mentors and understand that. And then you have those beginners like we were talking about that feel like they know best and, you know, the, but you, and I see it all the time with Stage 32, because I see the people who accelerate, and I see the people who end up selling stuff or putting something into a festival and it does well and everything. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that came in humble. They came in looking for advice, you know what I mean, and looking for people that could help them, but they also gave. you know they, were, they participated. Can you
2: talk about some of the successes of Stage 32? Yeah.
3: Well, yes, I can. because well, right, it's Oscar Day. <laughs> and we have uh, it's awesome. I have one uh, Stage 32 member who's a producer. Uh, he has two nominations. He's nice. nominated for Tony Erdman for Best Producer, and he's nominated for My Life as a Zucchini for Best Animated Film. Awesome. Uh, another uh, par- another stage 32er was also a producer on My Life as a Zucchini. He had uh, the one that uh, the first one I spoke about had four films in competition this year can. He won for L at the Golden Globes. He has been instrument you talk about giving back. He has not only hired a bunch of stage 32-ers throughout this entire process. Um, he mentors where he can. Mm-hmm. He was instrumental in us being at Cannes, being part of the next pavilion, mm-hmm. which is the the whole uh, emerging uh, tech and uh, entertainment companies. Um, he's been fantastic, but he's a perfect example of a guy that's you know at the top of the mountain that gives back all the time. Uh, we found out, as of right now... Mm-hmm. I don't know, still are still getting the counts. Thirteen other stage thirty-two members wow. are either nominated or worked on films uh, that are nominated. So that's pretty cool. That's insane. Um, yeah, I mean we have we've had so many success stories. And do you have a do you have a screenwriting comp- contest? Yeah, we have yeah we have a few of them. Well, we, we do a couple of like? fellowship again our screenwriting contest in the beginning i was reluctant to do them at first until we had the relationships that i wanted so our our the first one we actually did was a horror one and the reason we did that was because we had great relationships with horror producers mm-hmm. and uh the top three finalists are in production on um on their films they all got deals in, is and is this the blood list this was we did it with the bloodlust the first year we don't do it with them anymore oh, yeah. um Although I think it's, no, it's not called The Bloodless, it's The Search for New Blood. It
2: might, it might yeah. have
3: changed. But the first year we did it with them. Um, our, our main one has been fantastic. The, you know, it's a, we have one with, that has a fellowship attached to it as well. We've done some other genre ones, but we only do the genre ones if we're really working with people that are you know, really anxiously looking for that material. Mm. So everything that we do, we, and this is the saying within the company, is about access and opportunity. Nothing that we put out there um, where you have to spend even even our even our coverage services, the whole idea between our coverage services and everybody else's is you literally go and pick the executive. So you know exactly who's covering your script. Mm. You know what like if you have a sci-fi, we have a list of people working in the sci-fi space. You can go pick that person and then you have the option to have a phone call with them which is Um, incredible. Well, two of my friends actually
2: worked for you, I think, and they they were executives in the business, and also one was a really good writer, which I think Charlie Charbonneau has worked with Oh, yeah, Charlie's great. And then um, who was a writer on various Kevin Williamson shows, the originals, things like that, and um, and also uh, Jason Murch.
3: Oh, Jason. Uh, Jason lives right by... Jason's a great guy. Yeah, a great guy. And Charlie, both of them are also educators for us. So yes, not only listening yes. to pitches and not only doing the coverage services, mm-hmm. but we also... They've been in the business. Yeah, I mean, we also totally. offer all education, and the mandate for our education is that you have to be working at it right now. We're not going to provide you with dated material. We actually just launched two uh, online conferences. We're doing a film finance conference and a screenwriting conference. Two-day events, completely online. And the reason why... Again, I get to speak at a lot of these things, and I feel like I speak on panels sometimes, and the people that are on the panels with me you know they did it twenty years ago, and I feel like you know you spent all this money on airfare hotel, the new wardrobe, you know meals drinks and and of course a ridiculously priced badge sometimes <laughs> I mean I was on one screenwriting panel i literally i it was I, I, it was four guys, I swear to you, none of them have worked in the business since ninety seven and they' putting out advice about the business today but they're not in the business and it's not and it's not it's not relevant and I actually was sitting there silent and and the moderator is a very good friend of mine and she you know she says I've never seen RB so quiet he (laughs) hasn't like I was a half hour I hadn't said anything and I and she was like what do you have to say about all this and I it was like I had to make that choice at that moment. To be that guy? To be that guy. Yeah. But I felt like I looked out in this audience, and I saw all these people like, you know, looking at me, and they had spent all this money. I knew what they spent. Mm-hmm. And I said, with all due respect to my fellow panelists, I said, everything that these guys have said, not relevant. Not, not, not a part of it. I- and you could hear pin drop. Oh, you could hear yeah, pin drop yeah, from, pin from drop. space. And what like, so what happened? This is good. So, so, so yeah, what happened? So they all were like, "Well, why don't you tell us?" And then they're man? like, "And what have you? And what have you sold?" And I'm like, "Well, wait a second. And then we got into it, and oh,
1: and then everyone's was like, "Oh, I got my money's worth." Yeah, they, yeah, yeah I mean, right. That
3: made the panel better all of a sudden. One of the guys won an Emmy in 1975. God bless him. God bless him But TV today Is not TV in 1975 Jesus Christ It's not that, three networks it's, You know right, what I mean Right So it's like You know b- Talking about how to break in As a TV writer I'm sorry From
1: ni- from yeah, You know
3: All in the sorry. family was
1: fantastic Yes I mean okay. you know
3: <laughs> but, I think he won for like The freaking Rockford Files yes. God bless him <laughs> I mean, God bless him. I hope to have one one day. I mean, he's got one more than I have, but it's, you know, what is going on right now? So, again, everything that we do on this side has to be, like, people like Charlie, people like Jason, they're in the mix. They're doing it right now. I think Charlie actually taught an eight-week lab for us, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the whole idea is to have the education be right now, to have these panels be right now. And then, you know, we also do a lot of – I don't want to make it sound like everything we do is – Money-related either because we do a lot of free, mm-hmm. um, not only free education, but for example, we did a, um, uh, a deal with the uh, Saint Petersburg Film Commission. Mm-hmm. Great guys. They used to run the sun. Well, he used to run the Sunscreen Film Festival. He has passed it off, mm-hmm. um, but he runs the, the, the film commission. And we were talking to Ken, and he was like, "We should do something." I actually have a budget where I can uh, give twenty thousand dollars to a, film, a writer director to come down and make their short you know the, the short has to be written it has to take place in in st petersburg so mm-hmm. you know they could just change the location to want to write something new and we'll give them 20 grand to shoot five grand to put up the casting crew and we'll distribute it to the festivals and stuff like that we'll, we'll try to get it out Excuse me. Well, I do what the hell that was. Um, no, so he's doing it. we've got to try to get that That's out. okay.
2: Elijah, we could get away with it. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Elijah did the same
3: thing. I actually, I actually think it was High West Bourbon. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, so we, uh, we're, we're now in the process of picking that film. And J.T. Molnar, who had a film here last year called Angels and Outlaws, and this is a perfect example yeah. of somebody doing it, yeah, yeah. giving Hold back, on. we went to him and said, what would you think about mentoring on set for a week? This young director, and he said, "I'm in." So that's one example. You know, you would be surprised at how many, and I know you know this well. Oh, yeah.
1: How many people in the industry are so willing? They are. To they care, are actually, and they're just not asked. They're not, and they're honored they're, to be asked. They're, they're just not, you'd be surprised at Oscar winners and, and guys who've been in the business and have just, just killed it. They're never asked. No. They're like, hey, would you like to teach a course? Hey, would you like to lecture? Hey, would you like to mentor somebody?
3: Yeah. They're, it's amazing. It is amazing. It, it is, really and is. And it's also amazing how many people, like one of the other things we got approached on, um, or approached to do recently, I was speaking at AFM and I got at we the panel and this guy rushed the stage and he says- I have to talk to you about a co-European film commission initiative. And I was like, heck is this guy talking about it? It turned out that it was this really, really cool idea that he had where he works with all the European film commissions. They are looking for material, but they're looking for material to join forces on. They don't want to provide all the funding. They want to shoot, you know, maybe it's France and Sweden. Maybe it's this, whatever. So again, we offered this for free. People were able to submit their projects. They had to have, they had to have, some sort of maybe maybe a little bit of the money in or maybe some actors attached you know attached to it some packaging a little bit and then what we're doing is we're taking six of these uh filmmakers or producers down to south by southwest all the european film commission uh heads will be there and we're gonna try to package their films and get those films made uh through our connections and through their connections and that's free so these are things that we're doing all the time, you know, and these are some of the success stories, too, the you other know, things that come out of out of these programs that we put together. Well,
1: I, I think that both you and I started our companies with the same mission statement mm-hmm. to help. Yeah. You saw there was uh, there was no social network mm-hmm. for creatives. Right. I felt that there was no real voice out there that was telling it how it was. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. like it really is. Not from someone who's up in the ivory tower. I'm still, I always use this analogy. Mm. I'm at the bottom of Blade Runner. I'm there eating the ramen noodles yeah, yeah. with everything. I'm not up with the owl. Right. You know, I visit the owl every once in a while, but I don't live up there. I live down here, right. which is much more colorful and entertaining yeah. down here.
0: And the,
3: and the food's and better.
1: The food is better. <laughs> but, um, but because I wanted to give a perspective of someone who was in the fight scratching and, and, and who's been around the block a few times. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to give. And you did the same thing. You, you're trying to give access yeah. and give connections and stuff. And I'm trying to give knowledge. And I think that's, we both come from a good place. That's why I think we're both, you know, growing as fast as we have been. In
3: no, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, we also surround ourselves, obviously, with mm-hmm. people that have the same mentality uh, mentality yeah. and, the, and the same passion and that want to get back. And
1: well, I mean, Sebastian's class. At USC. Well, and the show. And the show, all of it. Yeah, he's uh, the same way. It's all pay it
2: forward. Yeah, it's about paying it forward and trying to help. I want to make it easier uh, for people. I I, I actually teach the class that I wish I had. That's number one. (laughs) that's really cool. Yeah, it is. Because I spend a lot of time making mistakes or learning the hard way, and I can just tell people very quickly this is the way to do it. It's just up to everyone to listen, hopefully.
1: There's always that.
2: (laughs) Char- Charlie and Jason, actually, we go way back together. So, so they, cool. They, 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 they listened.
1: And the, one, the other thing about the business, I think, and I think you guys will both agree, it's very small.
3: Oh, it is. People know each
1: everybody other. Everybody is so small. It's, it, and it's so big, but yet everybody does know each other.
3: Well, and again, that's actually a, a good point, again, to come full circle with the relationship thing. One of the When we went to go attach this director to the film that's a like cover right now, mm. he had a producing partner. His producing partner is one of my best friends from Vegas. Unbeknownst to me, the script was there, and I had—I ironically enough, because I signed the deal right before Sundance last year—I was telling him about the deal mm-hmm. here last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. It's probably you know the fifth or sixth Sundance that we had hung out together. And then all of a sudden he calls me up one day and he says, your freaking script's on my desk. I think this is happening. Okay? <laughs> Friendships and relationships. And then, you know, we had to go to bat for one another because there were other people involved. Well, that's and the they, other
2: yeah. thing. It, it, it does take time. Like you can know a lot of people. I, I mean, I've kind of been in the business for a while. I know a lot of people, but it's still hard. And it takes time. You still need more than one person sometimes. And, and you just have okay. to be patient. Is that true? Um, like I actually did. I really wanted to meet you. And, um, uh, it, it, it's happened, you know, mm. and you just have to mm. stay in it long enough and just keep pushing. Take the rejection. There's often a lot of rejection, or sometimes it's that silent no, you mm-hmm. know,
3: yeah, because everyone's Which is, busy. Hollywood's really good. It's not
2: always just it's really good rejection. <laughs> you know, it takes time to get people on board to make things happen, and yeah. so somehow it got to him and got, and now he's on board because it takes more than one person sometimes
3: to to make things. Work.
1: Isn't Isn't it true that Hollywood gives the best FUs on? anywhere
3: well they kill you with kindness it's just amazing
1: i've never No, new york different they'll just tell you straight oh
3: right to your face like this sucks
1: why why are you in my office yeah yeah
3: (laughs) totally true you know we're going a different direction right now it's not you it's yeah yeah. but that's what i'm saying it's a full education (laughs) of how to navigate this business it really is like you know the first time that i got it's not it's it's really good but it's not for me i went back 10 times and said well why not (laughs) <laughs> and, and finally, this guy said to me, he was a producer. Dude, finally, like... No, he finally said to me, he goes, listen, he goes, you seem like a really nice guy. He goes, and, and the writing actually isn't bad. He goes, so I'm going to give you a lesson, uh-huh. okay? Somebody says to you, it's not for them. They don't want to make it. Let it go. Let it go. Go to the next person until you get, yes, it's, it's for
2: me. You well, know? I agree on that, you know, because it's interesting. People always ask, like, why did somebody pass? Like, uh, and, and really... Um, the, whatever reason they give you isn't the real reason anyway. A pass is a pass, That's basically. It. it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and it doesn't <laughs> matter. The, the, the point is, if they really loved it, then they would start talking to you about it. And everyone's going to pass for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's often subjective, or maybe it's business or this or that. And so it's not like you can figure out why somebody's passing and then go and rewrite it. And then, hey... And then they'll pass for another. You can't do that. A pass is a pass. Um, But things can still change. They come around. This is why I'm going to go back to that Sheldon Candace quote. Sheldon had a film here called um, Love, L-U-V, at Sundance. And he he said this thing. It's called, he said, no is only no for now. Uh, And and I think that's true because sometimes people say no because they can't they, they, you, know, you, you think somebody can help you because they're in a certain position. Like they've had produced movies at Sundance. But that doesn't mean that they can produce yours right away. So they might say no. But um, maybe somebody, you get it to somebody else that's a friend of theirs, and now they both happen to agree on it, that no can turn to a yes. That's what I was saying. Like it, it takes time because it usually takes more than one person. There are very few people that can just green light something. And even if they're passionate about you, you know, agents get no's all the time. Agents here know more than anybody because they represent all these clients. Like, you know, agents at major agencies have, you know, might be surprising to know, like 75 to 100 clients each. They hear no constantly, mm-hmm. right? So it's, 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 it's difficult and it just, it just takes time. You just have, it's perseverance, meeting a lot of people, you know, helping a lot of people. And it, it, it will eventually happen if you can stay in it long enough and just kind of
3: find a way to deal with um, the hardship along the way. Well and that speaks to what you're saying earlier about the endurance part of it and Oof. you know you gotta stay in the game. It really does only take one yes. And the reasons like you were saying, Sebastian, the the, the no's are it could be anything. I mean it really can. It could be the materials not connecting. It could be that I don't do movies in this budget range. I don't see... It, it could, be, could be a million It could be reasons. a politics
1: at the place, at the po- production company at the... St- it could be a million it things. It could be anything.
3: You can't, it's out of your control.
1: It, it's it's out
3: of your control, but what is in your control is, and that's why I love what you call it in the film, hustle, because yes. it's a hustle. And you know that's another thing I get all the time. As soon as I sign with, with David... People were like, Oh, you have a manager now. You must this is so great. Now you just get to go right. And I'm yeah. like, are you out of your freaking?
1: Do your mind? hands hurt from counting the money? Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> it's not even it's not even the it's not even the money. Right, it's the it's, right, right.
3: it's the you know, he's concentrating on one project. Right. I have to be out there pushing my other projects. I still have to be out there making relationships. He's right. not out at parties saying, Hey, you gotta meet no, let me call him. Well,
1: he has other guys he reps too. Yeah. A couple big you know. guys too.
3: Well, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's rep Shane Black since 84. He, he, saw, he, he sold Lethal Weapon. So that's how far back he goes. He's like yeah. Yoda. <laughs>
1: he is. He really is. Like,
3: he'll tell me things, not just them. Uh, you're like, wow. Yeah, like, wow, well, like, master. You know, <laughs> half of them don't make much sense. Sorry, David. Not, 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 not. <laughs> not now,
2: but
1: in
3: 10 you can, years. 10 years. That,
2: you can read about him. He's in that new CA book, uh,
3: Powerhouse. They mentioned him. there, yeah. And I think yep. he's
2: in the mail room, too. You can mm-hmm.
3: read about Oh, he's, him. I mean, he's such an interesting. He's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah. And he's an interesting cat. But, you know, David will say to me, like, you know, when, when we first got interest on uh, The Endgame, which is the script, that's a covert, he said to me, he goes, look, he goes, you're, he goes. I know you hate this, he goes, because you're not a producer on this, he goes, so I know you hate this, he said, but your job here is done, okay, you need to keep going, writing, and working, getting out there, and networking, getting out there, and pushing, and getting out there, and making your contacts, and <laughs> figuring out, he goes, I'll help you figure out, what, if you think that this script is ready, where it might be able to go, he, but you figure that out, too, you know, and... That was I, I. I've been around it long enough that it wasn't so eye opening. But it's interesting to hear, see other people's uh, or hear other people's perspectives on it. and People are like, oh my god, like all I want is a manager because then it's just going to become so easy. I'm like, no, you work twice no. as hard. Really, in a lot of ways, you're going to work twice as hard.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the the myth of the agent and the manager? Mm-hmm. Because so many people think the second they get an agent or a manager, mm-hmm. it's 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 easy. It's easy. You could just go. Yeah. And the one thing I've realized with agents and managers but more agents than managers is that you need to they're only
2: going to take you on if they think they can make some money why? with you yeah. well there's because a it, reason they only make 10% you know do you know the saying no what why they only get 10% no. because you the writer are doing 90% of no. the work exactly. yeah exactly so is what he was talking about yeah
1: so that's why a lot of these young you know people who are on on, on stage or 2 or listen um or are part of indie film hustle is that they're like oh I just need to get a manager I'm like but what are you what are you providing right i've right. been in i've been in meetings with agents and managers they're like you know Your shorts really nice, but come back to me when you have a feature, yeah. Or come back to me when you have you know two or three scripts, because it's like they don't want to have to do the work unless they know that the percentages of them actually making some money with you
3: is high. Yeah, do you agree? Oh, totally agree. And I think that I think it's one of the most underexplored areas in the business is the manager writer relationship, and sometimes the manager director or agent director relationship. But if we're talking about writers, um, well, again, all these conferences I speak at, a lot of it's about the craft. And there's so much on the craft, and and you can drive yourself nuts. You really (laughs) have to know the business. So again, part of the reason we're doing this online conference, we're calling it the the craft and business of screenwriting, and one of the panels is the uh, manager-writer relationship because, again, I just feel like it's completely underserved and and underexplored. But here are some of the myths, okay? One is that this idea that you have to, the first offer you get, that you have to take it, that that the manager... Uh, That you work for the manager basically like you know like it's it's this deal that like oh my god like I'm I'm being I have attention on me like you know I mean so like of course I'm gonna sign with whoever I passed on three managers I had three offers I passed on all three of them there was a reason for all three one for example was that they wanted to pigeonhole me and I felt like that was a little it was a little early for that I know you're supposed to write in your niche and everything I have my own opinions on that but I felt like it was a little early when nothing had been optioned or sold okay Um, another one kept talking about where I fit in her roster. And I was like, shouldn't the writing be the writing? Why is it where I fit? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That doesn't make much sense to me. If you think you could sell me, you could sell me. Okay. So I tell people all the time, you don't have to go home with the first girl that you know <laughs> pays you a little attention you don't have to right so but that, that's but that also comes with being confident who you are well but it also comes in knowing the business right mm-hmm. what is this person that like for example like i've had writer friends that have been like i signed with so-and-so and i'm like well who is this person and then i google them and you know they were an actor an actor an actress and now they're gonna go but what have they done or i'll say to some you know they're like ah, i don't know if i want to sign with them like <laughs> have you gone to their client list and mm-hmm. ask them you know, say to the agent, say to the manager, can I, or I mean, obviously you can see it on IMDb Pro or whatever, but go out and, and solicit their opinions. If a manager gets pissed off at that, that's the wrong person anyway. Right. Right? It's the same thing with sales agents, by the way. Go to all the clients and find out, you know, all the people that they've worked with and find out were they good, did they do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but with writers, it's, it's this thing, again, it's this idea, this sort of, Romantic thing that I get to run around and tell people I have a manager. And the reality of the situation is, the wrong manager will set your career back years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, legitimately, it'll set you back years because you're going to get bad information. They don't have the clout to sell you. Sometimes they're going to want you to rewrite everything six billion times because they can't lose the lot. To- a lot of waste of time. It's a lot of waste of time. Mm-hmm. So you know, with David, for example, I said to him. You know, obviously his reputation spoke for himself, but it did kind of concern me that he, he reps so few writers, and a lot of them are people that have been with him for a long time. He very, very rarely signs a new writer. So I had to say to him, like, how much work are you really going to do? Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you kind of, Shane Black turns into something, <laughs> fine, we're going. What is, you know, it's not too difficult for him to pick up the phone and, you know, whatever. But if I'm coming in, nobody, I, nobody he, knows me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, and we had to have that conversation. And he was very honest about it. He was like, this is where I feel like you're going to sit. This is what I feel like we could do first. This is what I feel like we could do second. And in the meantime, while we're doing those two things, you better go work your ass off. And I said, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the blunt, you know, uh, Honesty. honesty. And that's why I signed with him. I didn't sign with him because he was Shane Black's manager. Believe me. I signed with him because he had a vision for me. And he's held up to that, you know. He actually, and it was good for me too, because unlike some other managers who want to be in your face 24 seven, he gives me a little bit more freedom to roam a little bit, a little bit more time to get to where I need to get with a piece of material or whatever. And that works. So I, you know, so some of the myths are, like I said, that you need to have somebody right away. First of all, even the idea that you need to have one right away in this day and age when you can kind of reach anybody, if you're doing your marketing the right way, I know plenty of people who have sold scripts that had, did not have a manager at the time and some of them still don't. I know some of the people that have sold 10 scripts that have a manager and have no agent. They handle their stuff on their own or they have an entertainment attorney that acts as an agent because Mm -hmm. they pick up the phone and make calls. There's a million different ways to go about this. You just have to know what you want for yourself. And then, like I said, then once you have a manager, of course, the biggest myth and the thing that people forget is that they work for you. You don't work for them. And sometimes they need to be reminded of that. (laughs) Every once in a blue moon, you need to pick up the phone and go, hey, motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> Remember me? You know? Um, but that's, that's the truth. You know, I've seen that too. I have a friend that, uh, you know, we, our, our offices are on the, um, uh, the, the old Rolly Studio lot in Manhattan Beach. I think it's called Manhattan Beach Studio now. I think mm-hmm. James Cameron bought it and, uh, and then left. James Cameron bought it to do Avatar and then Avatar 2 and then took the entire freaking thing down to New Zealand but anyway <laughs> um, so we have a nice empty lot And but the, uh, the the office I work in or the building I work in is a lot of creatives it's a lot of directors mm-hmm. and writers and everything. And I have a writer friend who uh, wrote a couple of features that got produced he's written some TV stuff and you know one day we were just sitting down having a drink and he said to me he goes you know he goes I'm just sitting here talking to you he goes it just it hit me that I have not talked to my manager in six months holy cow he goes six months and he said I got, I guess I either have to make a switch or I need to, so you had to have that, you know, come to Jesus conversation. And, you know, they kind of got back on the same page again, but he had to say to him, like, you, I think you forget that you, you, you work, work for me. You. And all of a sudden, you got him into a couple of rooms. He actually did get him a writing assignment, and but, you you know, like but, he, had, but he had to push. Yeah, yeah,
2: but that's, well, yeah, but it, it is it is a two-way street. You have to engage with no your... Doubt. That's why I said no chemistry is a huge thing. They have to like you. <laughs> that's number one. And number two, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So, you know, if you have one script, you, have, you should have other ideas for scripts. You should also bounce ideas. It is a two-way mm-hmm. street. So, like, that story that you say, it, it, good story, but it also, uh, you know, makes me
3: wonder why did he let that... Why did he let it go? And he had, listen, yeah. he took he took responsibility as well. He yeah. said, you know, I could have picked up the phone. I think that you hit upon something else that I think is not so much a myth of the relationship, mm-hmm. but but something that writers need to realize if you're just starting out. One is, if you have one idea... You need to finish that script. You know, people. I, I think I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago because I had somebody come to me, and every time it, it happens, all the time. But every mm-hmm. time it does, it like a little piece of me dies is when somebody <laughs> says to me, "I've been working on this script for like the last five years." Oh God! And I'm like, yeah, okay. we all have those friends. You know, yeah, and we it's not, have, it's yeah. not. You know, I just want it to be perfect. Well, it's never going to be. Perfect. It's it's a rom- it's this romantic idea, or you don't have another idea. But that leads me There's into that. my point, which is even if you think you have one good script and you said it. They're always going to ask, what else do you have? What else do you got? And even if you've written that great first script and they really love it and somebody really wants to produce it or somebody wants to manage you because of it, they're still not going to take you on because they're not going to be sure that you're a one-trick pony they're going to want to know you're not a one-trick pony. You know what I mean? Like maybe you just hit the right idea and you were able to pull it off. You I, know?
1: I use I use baseball analogies a lot, and I think this is a perfect baseball analogy. Uh, you get that one script, that's your one swing up a bat. Mm-hmm. You might hit a whole run, right? but the game's still going. That's right. So you better have a couple more swings in you. Right now, you can hit singles with those swings. Right, you can strike out. Right, but you got to have other swings. If not, yeah. the game is over.
3: Yeah, you need to have. Right? I mean, legitimately, you need that. It's a great one. I mean, legitimately, you should have you know three of I think at least three. Three three scripts. Three scripts. Not ideas, because we all have, have ideas. ideas. <laughs> I, I think three is where you know it's reasonable. Well, those. ideally, I think also you should be
2: maybe if you can, because life takes its own courses. You know, you know,
3: write two scripts a year, ideally. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, yeah. But, but I, mean, I think what I'm saying is before you go out even, like, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, and try to even get a manager to engage with you or whatever, I think you should have, I mean, could you get away with two? You might if you've written something really fantastic. Um, but ideally, probably three. Well,
2: then you got to put yourself out there to have a contest. Like, Austin, we mentioned, is mm-hmm. great. Nickel. Um, uh, actually, one of my friends won it, which was cool for comedy. Oh, actually, a couple friends, another one for sci fi you know nickel fellowship blacklist mm-hmm. slam dance does a really great genre one mm-hmm. um they're they're very you know script pipeline there's there's, there's a few the one that you mentioned mm-hmm. it, it, they they you have to put yourself out there
3: yeah so and that's investing in yourself yeah and again it has to be that it provides access you know if you win right. or if you're a finalist you know one of the things we do with all our finalists for example is they their log lines get sent to all the executives you know but the, the winners, of course, the, fi- the actual finalists, you know, they get put in front of everybody. Uh, we fly them out. We get them in front of everybody and whatever. But just if you make the finals, you get your log line exposed. And we've gotten plenty of reads off of that. Plenty of mm-hmm. people have said, I want to you know, request that script, I want that oh. script, I want that script. It really is all about having that access, and it's about investing in yourself. It really is.
1: Now, the other, the other thing I want to talk about real quick is a lot of stuff that we talk about is about getting access and, and, and going to those decision makers. In today's world, um, I come from a point like with "This Is Meg." Mm. I didn't wait. Right. I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna get up and go and do it. Uh, and there is that. There is a place for those kind of things. Like if I'm going to write a script, I'm gonna write a script that I can go make mm. and get attention that way, and not wait for somebody. Because you know, you and I, all of us know that waiting could be years. It could be years.
3: Absolutely.
1: And when I went into the making of "This Is Meg," I'm like, I don't care if it's good, bad. I'm just gonna make it, and we'll see what happens. Mm. And things are starting to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Like in today's world that you could just go and go make a short. go you know, Take a script that you wrote. You know, if you, you think you believe in your writing, go partner with a director. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them out here. <laughs> if, especially if you live in L.A. you know, There's plenty of opportunities for you to pick up. You know, and get a maybe maybe a five hundred bucks, a grand, and go make something, yeah. and well, get that ball rolling. It doesn't even. I mean, you could make a web series. You could make shorts anything, that, short everything. It's content. Stuff,
2: people look content. for that. Everything, Hollywood combs through all of that. They but, really do. But do
1: you agree with that? Because there is the option of trying to go out there, taking those meetings. Because I've been there, you've been there, you've been there. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got tired of waiting. You know, after I got dropped from the last project that was attached, I was like, I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm not twenty anymore. Yeah, I gotta go. And that's when Meg was born. And, and now I got other things I'm going to be doing. And keeping that mentality, that kind of the Rocky mentality. Yeah. You're in the streets, you're in the gutter, and I'm not... If I get there, great. And if they come knocking, great. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you agree with that kind totally, of
3: mentality? Totally, 100%. It's a DIY world. Proof of concept today. Web series, shorts is almost as big as you know going out and making a feature. If you're, if you're somebody that, that isn't known yet, especially somebody that's looking to get some sort of attention, that's how you get your attention, is by creating work and getting it out there. Mm -hmm. Now, I could tell you two years ago, or three years ago, when I talked to managers and agents, like when we were bringing in people again for like the Happy Writer Services, for example, and we would ask them what kind of material they were looking for, you would never hear shorts and and web series. Now, I got people calling me up all the time going, who do you know on the site, what do you see? I even had lunch. This is, I mean, this is how much it's changed. About maybe a month ago or two months ago, and he was, he was an agent for filmmakers. He he does he handles directors and uh, and some writers. And uh, he said, I almost feel guilty sitting here having lunch. He said because I have literally taken lunches where my phone blows up because there was something posted on like Vimeo short corner and like ten people are bidding on this, you know, the filmmaker, <laughs> like you know, for, the, for the, I mean, it's crazy. But everybody, with all the content that's being created, all right, when we had 466, I think, original shows this year on yeah. television, mm-hmm. okay, where we have, you know, live in a world where Whiplash wins Best Short at Sundance one year and comes back the next year and wins Best, you know, best Film, mm-hmm. you know, for a feature, uh, and that somebody actually gave them money, Bowl gave them the money, and, you know, say, okay, if you want to make it as a feature, you can, and that paid off. When we live in that kind of world, you have no, and when you can pick up your phone and, and film something, and, you, know, you know, all day, you, there's no excuse not to be doing it now. And if you're sitting there complaining about the process, then you're not doing anything to help yourself. You're done. You know what I mean?
1: If you're complaining, you're done.
3: Yeah. It's just, it's too difficult of a business. You can't, you gotta, you, you can't complain, you just gotta... But again, how do, you, how do you draw attention to yourself? How do you stand out? So this is where we started, right? How do you, if, if, if 500 people sign up for stage 32 a day, Okay. Every single one of those 500 people are looking to do something. They all, they have a goal, okay? They're there to either be seen, mm-hmm. they're there to raise money, they're there to find projects to put money into. Mm-hmm. Everybody has something they're looking to do. The question becomes right there, how do you stand out from the other 499? What do you do that's different? And part of that process like, is everything we talked about earlier, the approach and how you handle you know, your business and your networking and all that stuff. But the other part of it is what are you creating and what are you doing and what are you, how are you standing out in that way? Who are you collaborating with? Like you said, you're a writer. Well, okay, you have a half million people on the site. A lot of them are directors. A lot of them are posting in the job section saying, hey, I'm actually looking for material to put something together. It's not going to be high budget. It's going to be a few thousand dollars, but let's do it together. Well, go do it. Mm-hmm. Get involved. You know one of the beautiful things in a way about one of the cool things she said about, you know about the success stories, and I went right to the Oscars and all that but i'm going to tell you one that I found to be fascinating. There was a composer who uh, lived in Florida she's gotten twenty one okay. gigs off of stage thirty two she a producer in India and a filmmaker in India came to her and said, "You know would you score? I We' like to show you, you know, this is human trafficking short and whatever and she came to me, and I, I'm, you know, I'm very selective, and I don't have a lot of time, so it's like, you know, about what I produce, what I get involved with, but I said, you know, this is really kind of interesting, and he had, a, I think he had a cinematographer, I think from Denmark or something, so he was an Indian producer, filmmaker, composer in, now in LA, he's originally from Florida, me, and this other guy from somewhere in Europe, and um, made this really great Short, and we all kind of banded together to help get the little bit of money that needed to be brought in, um, and you know, get the, the, the people for post and everything like that. That's a huge success story to me. And this is a filmmaker now, off of this short, he's gotten offered a whole bunch of things, he's won a couple of film festivals with it, and it's that that's powerful. But he he asked.
2: This this is happening? You know, my favorite story. This isn't a stage thirty two, but it it it's what you were. Well, I'm leaving then. Now, <laughs> but my favorite story. There's this web series. It's uh, Bat in the Sun, and they do superpower beatdown where they have like Batman versus Darth Vader. Mm-hmm, like okay. mm-hmm, so I know Aaron. And, I know those guys. Yeah, um, and I and I asked him. Uh, I said, you know, who does your visual effects? Because if you see Batman vs. Oh, Batman, no, it's like, what? it? It's gorgeous. T- 10 million plus views. Well, first of all, concept, Batman vs. Darth Vader. I, mean, that's I said, badass. who does your visual effects? You know, who, how, how many people, are you? he said, well, well, it's me, first of all. I'm doing it because he's in a lot of them. My dad and uh, his dad helps him tremendously. And he said, the third person is, um, we've, we found this guy just through the net and he does the visual effects. I said, okay, well, well who is he? And he said, well, he's in the Ukraine. Um, and he's in a wheelchair, and uh, he just got so deep into working on effects and stuff because that was his outlet. And they found each other through the net, and that's how that's the guy that does his visual effects. I'm like, this is incredible mm-hmm. that this is happening now. That you, you cross that's why the, I world. the idea like international boundaries. So I think Stage Thirty Two is fantastic because all over the world you can. They don't have to just be in LA. They don't even have to just be in whatever city you're from. You know, you you can find people from all over the world now, and you just use Dropbox or whatever it is that you do, and you can still, you can make projects with people wherever they are.
1: I mean, I get contacted from people from all around the world. world. It's amazing. Sometimes I get emails or messages. I'm like,
0: wow.
2: Like some guy- And you provided a platform for that. Do you know how many people are international?
3: Oh, God, a ton. I mean, it's like 50, I think that we're like 58% US or, or North America, and then- all over. I mean, UK is huge. South yeah. Africa is growing. Yeah, they Australia, 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 you know, New Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, true. But you know, here. Yeah. But you know, you made a great point, right? This is something that happens on the, all the on, on the site all the time as well on the platform. You know, like I said earlier, you get people who say like, "Well, what am I going to get out of it?" Like that kind of thing. But here's another one, and it freaking drives me nuts because it's like, okay, again, if you have that this kind of attitude, you're never going to succeed. I live in pick anything Chicago. I'm getting network requests from filmmakers in, you know, South Africa. Why the hell do I need those connections? Why do I need... And I sit there and go, man alive. Like, if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't understand, have you done your research? Have you done... Have you looked... In fact, I actually left this part out. I just realized it just now. It clicked. But the first agent that contacted me about the Endgame game, after that was a Montreal agent, okay? And my first reaction when I got that phone call was... I don't even have representation in L.A.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why
3: would I be talking to this guy? But if I did not call that person back, this would, the film would not be happening. Okay, you never know. You you don't know, and you don't know who knows who, and you don't know who's rising up, and you don't know. Hey, listen, one of the very first success stories we had on stage thirty-two. I mean, was, I'm talking like maybe a week in, was. Maybe this was the Denmark, uh, but whatever it was. I was was in Sweden or whatever, but the the filmmaker in LA. He had done a bunch of films, and he was doing this film noir thing that he he just, the composers he worked with, the people he worked with, just couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it. So he looked at the platform and he said, I'm going to put out, he put me to post, and he said, I'm going to up, whoever's interested, I will send you three scenes. You score them. If I like them, I'm going to hire you. You're going to get paid. And you're going to do the whole film. And it was a guy. It was a guy in Sweden who had mm-hmm. never done a film before. He had done shorts, but he had mm-hmm. never done anything like this, right? He basically won the day. He ended up scoring this film. This was like back in 2011. Got paid for it. Never left. Never, they never met. Mm-hmm. Never met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he scored mm-hmm. the film there. This film got theat- you know, theatrical release and whatever. And now he scored the next two films for him. That's what I'm talking about. So, I mean, no connection's a bad connection. The creativity is happening. You know, you're know, you filming in one place. You're doing posts over here. You're doing, right. I mean, everything is happening across the globe. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have that sort of closed-mindedness to this... You're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just closing, again, you're closing roads. And I have this whole saying of how do you open roads every day? How do you clear roads every day for yourself? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and you said it very well, it, it, it's, it's a marathon. So you have to win every day, right? You have to find a way every day to, to take another step forward. And if you're going to have that kind of close my closed-mindedness, it's never going to happen. I mean, imagine when you launched Stage 32.
1: You, had, you called of your friends. Yeah. If you would have thought, like, man, why am I not to half a million already? You would have never gotten there. Same thing with me. I I hope I pop pop up a podcast. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows who the hell I am. Mm -hmm. And just by doing it every day, twice a week, Mm -hmm. pop, 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 all of a sudden it starts to grow. You show up to work every day. Something will happen. That's right. Either that's writing, it's a directing, whatever.
3: And you handle yourself with integrity, too, which you do. You know what I mean? It's being honest. It's being... uh, like you said, true to yourself, but it's also being true to your audience. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's practice what you preach kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to lead by example. Again, it's one of the reasons why that welcome message is there. It's basically saying, you're going to see, like people will say all the time, like, you have to have somebody doing all those posts for you. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, I think my one of my programmers told me the other day that, you know, or a couple of months ago that I have made over like 300,000 posts in, in, in five years or something like mm-hmm. that. And people are always like, "Oh, they, they can't all be you. No, they're all me. Mm-hmm. They are all me. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah it has it to ha- be. It has to be. So, you know, but again, that's putting in the time, that's being committed, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, for lack of a better way of putting it, treating it like a job and saying that I have to do this, Okay. Um, because it's going to benefit me and it's going to benefit the community. Last question. Sure. What uh, is the best advice you could give for someone starting out, besides
1: signing up the stage thirty two well, and listening to the Insiders that. podcast exactly and right. watching the
3: Insiders? That's exactly. Well, <laughs> what else do you What else do you need? <laughs> no, I think the best advice is a lot of the advice that we've put out here today, which is you have to. It's not just about the work. it's you know the work is going to carry you so far. It's the relationships and and the uh, friendships you make that are going to lead to the success that you want to have. Yeah. And like I said, my approach every day is, without being cliched, is to really win every day, but it's always about how do I move stage thirty two along a little bit? How do I move? my writing and producing along a little bit how, like all these little things that I desire to do all these paths that I'm looking to take and be successful in mm-hmm. how do I push them along so that when I go to bed at night I say made some progress there made some progress there the other thing I would just say really really quickly is know the business every morning I get up know, have your routines have your, you know, have your, know, know what works for you. Don't, you don't have to read 10,000 books that tell you you have to do this, you have to do that. You know what you have to do, okay? You know what you have to do for whatever your chosen craft is, all right? If you're a screenwriter, you know, there are certain things that you could read. If you're a filmmaker and you want to read the Lou May book, you know, the Sydney Lou May book, or, which is amazing. Which book. is great, but I'm saying if you want to book. do that, you want to do that, it's fine. But be your own person, be your own, you know, figure it out for yourself, but have your routines. And what I mean by that is every morning I get up, every morning, okay, and the first thing I do after I make my coffee is read the trades. I want to know what's going on in the business every day. Now I enjoy doing it, it's not a job to me, but I do look at it like it's my job, okay? Because if I'm not, if I don't know, then I don't know, okay, and somebody's gonna call me out at some point, or there's gonna be something that I'm not, you know, or there might be an angle in. So that's part of my routine every single day, no matter where I am, if I'm from Sundance, or I'm home, it doesn't matter. That gets me into the mindset, the proper mindset for the day. And what I do with a lot of the information, by the way, also, a lot of the articles I like. Repost. Put them on social media. Mm -hmm. I do a weekend blog every weekend, you know, RB's weekend blog, where I have articles from the industry and, you know, uh, lounge discussions from the site and everything like that. I do that because I want to give back. It's a Mm -hmm. pain in the ass to do it. It really is. (laughs) Collecting all that information. But I do it to give back. Do the same thing read that stuff, get that stuff. If you read the, the Celia May book, tell people how great it was. Tell people why you liked it. Mm-hmm. Just just be out there. Be visible. There's another saying we say on the site, and we'll leave it with this. Be active and be visible, okay? If you're, at, if you're well, first of all, if you're visible, if you're going to be active, you're going to be yeah. visible. But I'm saying, be out there, be you know a citizen of the community you're in, yep. and give as much, give more than you take, Mm-hmm. Ask more of ask let people ask you uh, more than you ask of them. Ask more of you than you ask of them. If that made sense, that makes sense.
1: Made perfect sense. Made perfect sense. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, sir, so much for your time. I know you're Thank a you busy, busy you. man here at Sundance. Yes. Well, God, this
3: is a thrill, man, and you know I love everything that we do together. So, and and this is a pleasure. So. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm really happy. Yeah. To meet Thank you, Pleasure. pleasure. You it, man.
1: Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to have RB on the show. You know, he is on the the pulse of what's going on in the indie film business and in, in the business in general with Stage 32 and having half a million um, members on Stage 32. And if you guys haven't checked out Stage 32, definitely give it a shot, man. These guys have, they're basically, a Forbes called them the LinkedIn for um, filmmakers and for creatives. So actors, directors, um, writers, and so on connect. And there's a lot of people that you can connect with, you network, and, and just you know meet other people who are doing what you're doing. It's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I'm a member of it as well. so just head over to stage 32.com for more info on that. So guys, it has been a whirlwind Sundance for me. Uh, I, I created all of these con- all this content with, again, very big shout outs to Sebastian Tordaz for helping me uh, put this whole thing together. and also Adam Bowman from Media Circus PR, which uh, you know, without them, we wouldn't have been able to do this. So thank you guys so so much. If you want to get more information on Sebastian, just go to SebastianTordaz.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And also um, MediaCircusPR.com if you're looking for public, uh, you know, a publicist for your film, getting the word out, getting interviews, getting press for your movie. So thanks again, guys, so, so much. Tomorrow will be the last one of the series, and then I get to rest for two or three days, <laughs> and then I'll start my normal routine next week with some cool interviews. I've got some really cool interviews uh, in the in the bank that I'll be uh, giving you guys out, and some cool topics I'll be talking about as well. So if you want to get links to anything I've talked about in this episode, head over to indiefilmhustle.com forward slash 136 for the show notes. So keep that hustle going, keep that dream
0: alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today?